recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is being recorded on February 10th to hit the internets on February 11th. Remember, you can always listen to the show on iTunes, tune in Radio Stitcher, YouTube, and follow me on Twitter at Red Ticket Blues and at Brian Buck 13. So uh, on Tuesday, I was lucky enough to speak to Mr. Chris Moore, who has his entire career has been in the sports media, whether it be a play-by-play analysis, announcer, uh, sports talk show host. He's done it all, and he's been in the industry for a while, and we sat down and talked about a myriad of topics. So let's take a listen. He is a sports talk show host for WFAN and the CBS Sports Radio, and one of the most underrated hosts on radio, and that, of course, is Chris Moore. Chris, welcome to the Red Ticket Blues podcast. That is a very nice uh, introduction. I'll take it. And uh, I, I am being completely sincere when I say that. I'm just letting you know. Um, before we get into a little bit about you, Chris, let's not bury the lead of the biggest sports question of the day, and that is, should Cam Newton have jumped on that fumble in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl? You know, I don't think there's any question that he should have. I mean, uh, even if he was concerned about injury, how serious could it have been? And he doesn't have, was he have seven months till his next game? So to me, I don't think it changes the outcome of the game if they recover it. They're fourth and 17. They got a punt. They're down six. The, they haven't shown anything the whole game. So I don't think it changes the outcome of the game. But I do think from a competitive standpoint, from a teammate standpoint, from a Carolina Panthers fan standpoint, you expect your guy to dive on that ball. And, um, you know, that's it. I mean, that's it. I, I can't speak for him. I know it's a split-second decision. We're so used to We're so used to being able to see replays and make decisions in our head. And, we, have, you know, in the talk show world, we have the ability to, to think about things before we say them. If I know I'm on the air the day after that game, you know, like Francesa was or any of the, you know, any of these guys were, you know, you have all night to think about how you're going to approach what you saw and his reaction and everything that happened. He has the split second, just like the official has the split second to make a call. I think most people agree he made the wrong one. It's simple as that. And he has to live with that. And, you know, I think it'll be quickly, not quickly, but I think it'll eventually be forgotten and um, he's too talented, and, and there aren't enough quarterbacks around, and he's going to rise uh, not only because he's really talented, but because we're grading on a curve, and there aren't very many like Cam Newton out there, so he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he is a maybe not one-of-a-kind quarterback, but with his talent, he's the MVP of the league. I think while he didn't handle all of this, and not even the presser, I'm not even thinking about that, but I'm just saying I think it, he will improve on who he is, definitely, and as a player and as a person. Um, you, you mentioned sportscasters, the sports talk shows have a lot of time to you know digest all of this information. You are a sports talk show host, so let me ask you this right from the beginning. Chris, where are you from originally? Tarrytown uh, in New York and uh, you know, Sleepy Hollow area. Okay. Um, in fact, when I was growing up, it was North Tarrytown. And then around 2000, they thought it was a good idea to change it to Sleepy Hollow because of the marketing aspect and because they had, you know, a lot of things that people could go and see up there. So the town voted, actually. North Tarrytown voted. And uh, they had a referendum, and the town decided to change their name to Sleepy Hollow. So it's it's Tarrytown and Sleepy Hollow. And uh, I grew up in Tarrytown. I was there till I went to college. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm from. Uh let me ask you, and I ask every guest this. It's almost like a prerequisite at this point. Did you, <laughs> did you always want to be involved in sports media, or was it something that just happened? No, I was, I was hooked. You know, I mean, I grew up at a time, and I know some of your older guys that you've talked to or will talk to 
will echo this, but you know, radio was a lot more important. Play-by-play on radio was a lot more important. And Marv Albert was my hero, like a lot of guys my age growing up. He did the Rangers and the Knicks on the radio. Um, at that time, you know, the NBA was just moving to having their finals on TV live. I mean, they were, you know, they were on uh, PBS. They were on Take wow. Play. Uh, yeah, it's hard to believe. In the early 70s and late 60s, the, the NBA finals weren't even on live television. So people really relied on radio. I mean, they really did. They enjoyed it, and and Marv was at his peak. I mean, he was doing the Knicks and the Rangers at the same time, and he was unbelievable. And uh, I wanted to be Marv, period. Yeah, so, I mean, you were – you and speaking of play-by-play, I mean – you, you went to school in Ithaca, you, you moved over there to Cornell, and you basically did everything, um, doing football, hockey, and lacrosse as well. Was was play-by-play the – so what, you basically just answered this question. Play-by-play was the immediate long-term goal at that point. Sports talk radio really hadn't been born. Um, so play-by-play was what you wanted to do. Yeah, you know, I got my sports talk start <clears throat> really from Mark Turnoff. And, and I'll tell you, I know the day I was on – the first day I was on the air was uh, July – 27th, 1993. I had been doing the Devils for five years. I lost that job. I was looking to get another job, which I did with the Florida Panthers right away, so I didn't miss any uh, time. But I remember the date because I'm set to go on after a Mets game, and uh, tragically, Reggie Lewis is playing pickup basketball in Boston and dies on the court uh, during the game, like in the fourth inning. So when the Met game ends, and I'm supposed to do whatever to 1 o'clock, from the end of the Met game to 1 o'clock, the whole show was about the tragic passing of Reggie Lewis. So that's, uh, you know, it was the summertime. I was a hockey play-by-play guy. And um, Bob Gelbert heard me, and, and he recommended me to Mark. And Mark said, we'll give you a shot. And that's when I started doing it, 1993. Yeah. You mentioned the New Jersey Devils and the Florida Panthers, and you were play-by-play for them, hockey, for almost a decade doing play-by-play. Here's a question. I don't know if you know the answer. If you do, probably Gary Bettman wants to talk to you. Why can't hockey enter the conversation into the big three American sports, and is there anything that can be done to change it? Well, I think there there are things that could be done to at least try, but I think, Brian, we've all come to the conclusion that stars run sports. Right. You know, I mean – the biggest star in pro sports right now is Steph Curry. Um, number one guy that people would pay to see is Steph Curry. And the number two guy is probably LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way sports are marketed now to me, and it's why college basketball is struggling in my opinion as well. It totally is. Because if you don't, if you don't get to know the players and if you don't have stats that you can make you say, wow, you're going to struggle to keep consistent fan growth. And hockey community, the fans, the uh, management, the media, the front offices all seem to think that things are fine the way they are. And in a lot of ways, maybe, you know, it's okay being where they are and where they fit in. But without stars and without talking about, did you see Gretzky last night? Did you see what Lemieux did last night? Did you see Bobby Orr? They don't have those kind of players. Ovechkin's the closest they have. The goaltender pads are too big. There's not nearly enough scoring, and there's no buzz around the game. They're keeping their own fans 
because their own fans are hooked on the game. I went last week. I was in Florida. I went and saw the Red Wings and Panthers play. Good game, 6-3, not a, not a 2-1 game. But I just think that unless you can market players and get players known on a more uh, wide basis, when I came in the NHL, there, there were teams, and of course Edmonton was the exception with you know Coffee and Messier and Gretzky and Yari Curry and Glenn Anderson and that all-star lineup, but they scored over 400 goals a season. Now there are teams that are lucky to get to 200 goals a season. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. And and where every other sport is is interested in offense and trying to make sure that there's enough offense in the game, the NHL sits back, allows their goaltenders to have the big pads. The ice can't get any bigger, and the players are much bigger. And there are serious problems there. But but on the other hand, they seem happy where they are. Like they don't need, you know, they don't need to get any bigger, and they're not trying to elbow for space with the other leagues, but they won't as long as they don't have stars. And right now, you know, a guy named Ben leads the league in scoring from Dallas. you got a problem because you ask 100 New Yorkers, have you ever heard of Jamie Ben? You're not going to get very many that have heard of him. Yeah, I, I look at NHL as, as like a the, the fan base is some sort of cocoon where it's almost everyone inside, they love it, everything's great, but the outside world almost just doesn't pay attention to it. Uh, maybe until the playoffs when it is a great yes, experience. Much like, much, much like soccer in the United States where it's, uh, yes, very good. Know, analogy. It's very, yeah, very fragmented, very loyal, uh, but very fragmented and hard to, hard to strike up a, a water cooler conversation. Um, you know, because there just isn't enough universal feel for the stars of the game and, and games need stars. You know, I brought up college basketball. Games need stars, guys you can count on, guys you're anxious to see, appointment viewing. And um, hockey doesn't offer that right now. And to me, college basketball doesn't offer that right now as we enter you know, the, the post-football time now and we look for things to fill the sports void. You know, I'm a little worried. I think yeah. things, are, things are going to be a little bit slow. We've got a struggling Knicks team that can't figure themselves out. Um, you know, we've got the hockey, but, but again, it's a limited fan base and you've got college basketball, which never been that big in New York. Although, you know, the Walter Berry days, there were some, some big East fans and definitely some big East interest in New York. But right now, I mean, you know, there's not a lot to carry the day in the next month. I, I love college basketball, but you're right that it's struggling so much. It's, it's, you know what, you can go out there and find the, the best player in the game, but don't get too, uh, don't get too used to him because he's leaving next year, whoever yeah, and by it may the time, be. And by the time you find him and have an opinion on him and look forward to that next matchup, I was talking about this on the air today on CBS because, you know, you're thinking about, wow, these guys, you know, he got him when he was a freshman, but now that he's a junior and he's improved this much, he's going to pay him back. No, he's not because he's gone. <laughs> You know, so that payback never comes. That big match of all, oh, I can't wait to see those guys hook up again. You know, I was watching J.J. Redick in Miami on uh, on Sunday, and I was thinking of his college career, and I'm thinking, where are all the J.J. Reddicks? You know, J.J. Redick was a guy that people liked or loved to hate. But either way, he was a magnet to the game. Who's the magnet to the game now? Heald? Simmons? Just not enough guys. Yeah. Just not enough guys to make people, again, water cooler talk, again, have that kind of sense of, hey, i got to see this guy. Did you see this guy last night? Did you see how good he is? Did you see how good they are? There's no Goliath, and um, nobody knows who the best team in the country is, and it'll make for a wide-open tournament, but 
And March Madness is the fabric of, you know, of America. So it's not going anywhere, even if it's like the Super Bowl. You're going to get ratings no matter who plays it. Right. Uh, but, but the regular season, I think, is going to, you know, is going to show a decline because there's nothing compelling about it. And you can't sell North Carolina Duke forever. You know, you, you, there have to be compelling players to, to make it work. You can't just sell the coaches. And right now, college basketball is a, a coach sell. Oh, Patino against uh, Krzyzewski. Oh, you know, Bill Self against Calipari. These, you know, games I want to watch. Yeah. And that's what they're selling now. They're selling the coaches. Yeah, they, they actually, for that Kansas-Kentucky game, that was the headline. That was, It was Self versus Calipari. Absolutely, because um, they can market them. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, I, I brought up the big three. You were involved in the big three, so to speak, of the world of sports talk radio. I mean, you've been in the industry for a while. You've walked, you've worked for Fox Sports, ESPN, CBS Radio. Uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, I sound like Phil Sims. You know, we talked about this. Um, you got your shot through Mark Chernoff. Now, when sports radio came about, was that something you saw and said, I immediately want to be involved in that? Or did he sort of just tiptoe in and say, oh, well, maybe I'll give this a try? Yeah, I didn't, I really, the, the latter, I really hadn't thought about it, but you know what, I, I, there's so much sales involved in play-by-play, you know, like if you're, let's say you're Chris Carino and you've, you've got to bring the Nets in every night and, and you've had, you have the ownership that you have and you have, you know, the, the future being mortgaged away and you've got to bring that enthusiasm every night. And you've got to walk a fine line. You know, you're not going to lie to the to the uh, fans and to the loyalists. But you're also your credibility is on the line, and you don't want to, you know, be a cheerleader or pretend that things are fine when they're not. I got a little tired of that part of it. You know, I did. I got a little tired of that. I mean, the Panthers at the end when I was there, it started to go downhill, and it really has lasted until this season where they've. I think they made the playoffs. I left there in 99. I think they made the playoffs one year since 99. So Florida was a tough sell hockey in that market when you're not winning at all. And, uh, as you can tell by, you know, just our conversation and you, you listen to me enough to know, I enjoy giving my opinion. I enjoy hearing yours. I enjoy going back and forth. I enjoy trying to bring you around to my side and respecting the fact that maybe you don't want to come to my side, but I, I like it. You know, I really do like it. And, um, I like the freedom of it because I've never, to the credit of the people I've worked for, I've never been told what to say, how to say it, you know, don't say this about that, make sure you don't. You know, I have been winged on a little bit as a play-by-play announcer in that regard, but never as a talk show host. So that freedom is probably the most enjoyable part of the job, is that when I go on the air, like tomorrow I'm filling in in Hartford, and I'm on three to six or three to seven, whatever it is I'm doing afternoon drive. When I get there, I can start with whatever I want, whatever tickles my fancy, I can go with, and I can try to make a show out of it. That's great freedom. It's a great luxury, and I don't take it for granted. That is a perfect segue, uh, being told by your employer what to say and expressing yourself. Um, we, I mentioned ESPN. You and I actually exchanged some tweets the other day concerning Danny Cannell's I guess refusal to acknowledge CT in football. I didn't even know that was, was a thing or even debated. Um, right. You said that this inspiring outrage, being a contrarian, is typical of ESPN this, these days. Can you elaborate a little on that? Well, contrived stories and making sure that you get reaction on social media has become a part of the business. And the difficulty to me in, in 
life these days in general, is that uh, whether they actually have an angle or not, I've become cynical enough and experienced enough to believe that generally there's an angle. If you read or hear something that's somewhat outrageous, there's a good chance that it's put there to elicit that outrage. And it works. I mean, it works for Donald Trump. I don't know how long Donald Trump's going to take this. And this isn't a political conversation. And I have no, you know, I have no horse in the race, really. I'm not really excited about anybody that's running for anything. But, you know, if you don't take a lesson from how this has worked for him to this point, regardless of whether he is able to go through and and actually have success and, and build a, you know, a majority in this country, the fact that he has done as well as he has doing what he's doing, which is basically outraging people and getting people to do what we just talked about in basketball and college basketball hockey. What are they doing? They're talking about him. Mm -hmm. Did you see, did you hear, did you, that's what you need. And that's what these networks have come to understand. And ESPN with the promotion of Stephen A. Smith's, uh, with uh, Skip Bayless, just going to uh, say that it's just I don't even like paid. I don't even like saying their name. It's almost as if I'm giving them free uh, a publication. I don't even like saying their names if I'm talking to somebody. The, the people <laughs> yeah, have first take, but yeah, go ahead. Right, but it is the, but it's the conversation we're having, and it's fine because uh, we're not promoting it. We're trying to understand it and why is it successful and why are they moving toward this and what does it mean to our business? Um, and you know what? I think it's fine because I'm never going there. So there'll always be an alternative, you know, I mean, and, and there are other guys like me who are never going there. So uh, it's fine that they're out there and people that are, that have their mouths open and are willing to put the hook in there and get pulled, you know, I can't do anything about that, but I'm not going there just because it works. You know, that, that would take the fun out of it for me. Yeah. When I start saying things I don't believe it's no fun anymore. You know, I'm not trying. I'd, I'd rather be, I, I mean, at this point in my career anyway, and not everybody can say this because I'm older and I've had a good career and, and I'm, I'm happy, but um, at this point in my career, I don't need that. You know, I would be trying very hard to work full time somewhere uh, if, if that's what I really needed to do. I don't. So I don't. I don't chase that shock factor. Oh, dear, Chris Moore said there's no concussions in football. And, you know, I'm not doing those kind of things, you know, I'm just not. So, and there's a lot of guys like me that aren't, but it is the way of, of corporate right now. They do more outrageous. You know, I've I've had this discussion on the air many times, Brian, recently. um, And that is, would you rather be first and wrong or second and right? And it really comes down to the same conversation we're having. Would you rather break a news story? Um, and it was what Mortensen about, uh, about Beckham being suspended. Is that what it was? The one where they came out and said, he's not going right, to get suspended. Right. Yeah, that was the one. And it, and it sparked a lot of outrage because everyone remembers Mortensen being wrong, but they remember his name, but no one remembers who tweeted it second and said, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, you know, he's not, he is going to get suspended. No one remembers that. So is it better to be remembered for being wrong or is it better to be second and right? And 20 years ago, I think everyone would have answered, oh, it's better to be second and right. You don't want to be wrong. You'd be embarrassed. Now, that line's not so clear. Oof, that's a character flaw on the entire industry right there. And I'm glad to know you will not change. That is good. Um, 
just staying within the topic of ESPN, the reluctance to change the way they do things or even go back to what they once were, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that their competition is is minimal. I mean, people can say they they can't stand and hate ESPN, but what are they watching? Like they're watching ESPN. Um, you know, Fox Sports apparently lately is going with the Animal House feel. Uh, you have Rob Gronkowski lap dances and Katie Nolan drinking beers with anybody. Um, that's their battle plan. So with all that being said, is ESPN almost too big to fail? Yeah, they're much like the NFL um, because kind of like the McDonald's Happy Meal, it's what you grew up with in your house. If you're 32 years old and you have a seven-year-old or some parameter or some uh, something like that, uh, you know, when you're watching, they're watching. And they're seven, and then the next year they're eight, and guess what? The year after that, they're nine, and so on and so forth to the point where that's their habit. And then they grow up and their kids have it. So ESPN has done that now. ESPN is what kids really watch. They watch it all the time. My sons watch it. Um, it's it's woven into how they live in terms of digesting their sports. And like the NFL, I think that they they get away with a lot because they don't feel like there's any competition. And, you know, as weird as a counterintuitive as it has always seemed to teach it at school and they say absolute power corrupts absolutely, I think the NFL and ESPN are two good examples that they just they can't make a big mistake because there's no such thing as a big mistake. No one's going anywhere else because they're not going anywhere. So, you know, if, if you're a great heart surgeon, you can keep people waiting in the, in the doctor's office an hour and a half because I'm not going anywhere else. You're, you're the one I'm relying on. And right now these people are not willing to turn away from the NFL and they're not willing to turn away from ESPN. So it puts them in a position where they get fat and happy and they can make a lot of mistakes and they don't pay for them. And when you don't pay for mistakes, you tend to make a lot more of them. Yeah, they 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 have their hands in everything. I mean, you you want to watch the big game? Well, you're watching ESPN, the NFL, whether you did, whether you like it or not. That that's that's your bread and butter. You're going to watch it. The mothership has their hands in everything nationally and locally. As does Chris Moore. Um, you work for CBS Sports Network on a national level and WFAN and a regional market. Do you prepare any differently when you approach each show? Yes, I absolutely do. Because although I like to use New York examples because I'm most familiar with them, I make sure to back off and say it could happen anywhere. You know, I make sure that if you're listening in Topeka or Seattle or Phoenix, that just because I'm talking about the Jets doesn't mean it doesn't have relevance to the team you root for. Uh, and I don't worry about that in New York. So that's definitely always on my mind. You know, it's always on my mind to be relevant to a wide audience uh, on the network. And at FAN, you know, I'm just much more directly passionate about what I see locally. And um, and I, I definitely prepare differently for the two shows, no question. Um, I mainly listen to New York sports radio uh, residing here in Connecticut. Do the callers outside of the tri-state area use the term gun to your head and propose insane trade proposals, or is that just sort of a regional thing? <laughs> I think the, uh, the Goldschmidt for Lucas Duda type deal is more a New York thing. Uh, but uh, 
there are everywhere. And a lot of people, I, I mean, a lot of people are dreamers. You know, I, I do think I, I, there are certain there are certain mantras I live by for sports fans, and, and I use them all the time. You know, there are no rules for sports fans, and um, and the other thing that I always like to say is that they market optimism. That if your team, you know, if your team isn't winning now, that you need to believe that they're going to sometime soon, that they have personnel in place that are going to make a good plan and that they're on their way somewhere, you know, and I, and I used, for example, I did national today and I did a segment on the Knicks, which is not a national story. I hate to tell New Yorkers, but you know, the Knicks are a forgotten franchise outside of New York. I mean, they really are. They're really, you talk about just another team. They are just another team. They are, they, they have nothing compelling about them except maybe, hey, let's see what Porzingis brings. You know, let's see how good this kid can be. But, you know, Carmelo is an old story, and they've got nothing going. So, you know, they changed today, and I, and I just said, you know, this league, as we were talking earlier about the NHL, this league is, is about three teams. You know, people still believe in the Spurs because of Popovich and because of their talent. You've got Golden State and you've got Cleveland. Now, everybody else, when they play, those are our games – but they're in a box. They're not on their way. They're not on a journey. They're not selling optimism. The Knicks are no closer to anything good than they were two years ago, four years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, ten years ago. They're in a they're in a cage. They're, they're a rat on a wheel. They they perform, but does anyone care whether they go, you know, twenty five and fifty five or thirty and fifty or thirty five? I mean, is five hundred something that? You know, Nick fans are supposed to get excited about. So the league's in a weird spot because no matter who you root for, if you don't root for one of those three teams, LeBron's been in the finals five years in a row. You know, it's about the players. I don't know who the coaches were on all five of those, but, you know, it's about the players. Uh, and, and if you don't have the players, you're just playing, you know, a, a game in a box, meaning that you go to the game at 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon like I did for the Heat and the, and the Clippers. They play for three hours. Game ends. One team wins, the other team loses. It's not indicative of anything. They're not building anything. They're not moving toward anything. They're not on their way somewhere. You just have to enjoy that game for that game. You have to enjoy that moment for that moment. So to answer your question in a long-winded way about you know national versus local, that's a local Knicks story to me about how the Knicks aren't going anywhere. But there's a good chance your team's not going anywhere either. Because if you don't have Steph Curry or LeBron James, or Popovich and his group with Tim Duncan, who never retires, and, and the, rest, the rest of those guys, you're, you know, you're spinning your wheels. You're playing games to play games, but you're not on your way somewhere. And, and therefore, that optimism that I think is what the NFL sells so beautifully with eight first-place teams and eight second-place teams and all the divisions and the wild card, and you, can't, you, know, you go the whole week, you can't lose because you don't play. So nothing negative happens. You know, you don't go on a three-game losing streak in four days like you can in each other sport. So for all those reasons, I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to see them try to market their way around the deficiencies in the game. And right now, the NBA is uh, you either have players or you don't. And if you don't, you know, you're just kind of spinning your wheels playing the game and putting it behind you and then playing the next game. With all that being said, let's talk Knicks. Um <laughs> The Knicks fired Derek Fisher, 
And today there was the potential disturbing report. I say disturbing. Um, Phil, Phil Jackson calling it quits. I say disturbing because I'm convinced Isaiah Thomas is coming back. But like you said, how could they get much worse? Um, so, please, no. So, Chris, what went wrong with the L.A. Lakers East? And please tell me I'm wrong about Isaiah Thomas. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're wrong about Isaiah Thomas. Okay. Never say never with Dolan, right? I mean, yeah. I understand the fear. Uh, I'll tell you what went wrong. They hired a guy whose heart wasn't in it, who, who took the money. Well, he's the Zen master. How important is basketball to him now? His career's over. I mean, he's, you know, he's not passionate. You can't do anything if you're not passionate. You can't. And I don't think he's, I think he took a flyer. He hoped to catch lightning in a bottle. He believed in Derek Fisher, but he didn't have the credentials. This is a guy that just went for it on a gut feel. And why did he do that? Because like what we talked about with the NFL and ESPN, he, he's got no risk. He makes a mistake so what? His legacy's not hurt. No one's really going to blame him you know, across the country. He took the money here. Dolan's a bad guy anyway. People are happy to blame Dolan. And the world turns. But they hired the wrong guy. You hire a guy with passion. You know, you don't hire a guy who's at the end hoping to catch lightning in a bottle on his way out. And that's how I view it. I mean, that's what I'm going to talk about this weekend. I just think that they they really, you know, they didn't think about about where his head was now, how much uh, stock he had in the game, and what they really wanted to do. Plus, they knew, you know, he's got an opt-out right now. You yeah. don't have an opt-out right now. <laughs> you guys, 70, whatever the hell old he is. He's, he's, you know, it's so easy for him to leave. I mean, it's too easy for him to leave. So I just think it was a bad hire from the beginning. I thought so at the beginning. I thought it was a name deal that wasn't going to solve problems. And it's too bad it hasn't worked out because people don't remember. I'm sure you do, but people don't remember what a great basketball town New York can be. Yeah. They've, they've forgotten by now. You are an active guy on Twitter. And that's <laughs> at more to say, more, M-O-R-E, on Twitter. If someone yeah, was yeah. if someone was contemplating joining Twitter today, they said, "Hey, Chris, I'm thinking about joining Twitter. What, what, what do you think? What would your advice be?" Uh, if you're a sports fan, I think it's great. I think it has some great advantages, um, and I think the negatives are overblown. Um, I get criticized on Twitter, um, but not very often. I get much more positive feedback than I do negative. And look, I, you know, we're here to be, I mean, I'm going to get criticized. It's all good. So I think Twitter is poorly managed. Um, I think it could be, people think it's complicated and, and how that image got out there, I'm not sure. Uh, you're on there. I, you know, it's not, you know, I mean, of all the things it is, complicated is not one of them. So uh, yet it has that reputation. I have a lot of uh, friends who are not on there. I mean, most of them, or in one, well, not most of them, but a good number of them are on Facebook, but hardly any of them are on Twitter. And um, I can't really explain it, but I'm not afraid of it. I don't, I don't associate it negatively. I get uh, breaking news there in the sports world. I'm a stocks guy. I like to follow the stock market, so it's also great for that, which is also an active, moving thing like sports are, stocks are. You know, you're, you're moving all the time. Things are up, things are down, things are happening. Uh, earnings are being reported, so there's always breaking things going on in both sports and stocks. So for me, um, 
I think it's great. It allows me to you know, I have two grown kids who are one of them's uh, uh, almost out of law school and the other one's out of college. And, you know, when I see them on there, I know they're fine. You know, they're tweeting about sports, the Packers or whatever. Um, and so I keep in touch with them that way. So to me, I think it's, you know, I don't know what the negatives really are. Like, I don't know how you look at it. I, I don't look at it as a negative. I think uh, there are negatives to it, but I think you really have to search for them or or just try to ignore them. I mean, as long as you're just looking for what you want to look for. Uh, yeah, you can follow who you want. You yeah. can ignore who you want. You can block people that are jerks because they want to be, and that's their whole point being on there. But I have, I've had good Twitter arguments with people. You know, I've gone back and forth with people. They've given me story ideas. I mean, it's it's all good to me. You know, it's it's ninety percent good. Right, and uh, in Chris Moore's bio, all tweets are my own because no one else agrees with me. That's perfect. <laughs> um, I want to thank Chris Moore for coming on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. But to play us out, I have three quick questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready, brother. Okay. Bring it. Name a city or area of the country that brings a ton of passion about sports that people would probably never think of. St. Louis. Really? St. Louis is a passionate town. They love their blues despite the problems that they've had. You know they love their baseball. I don't know if people would be that way. I'll tell you, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. Sports is a, you know, Detroit's unbelievable. Detroit really cares. I'll tell you who else really cares. Cleveland really cares. If the Indians ever do well, Cleveland will turn out crazy. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. New Yorkers don't understand. I lived in Madison uh, for four years in in Wisconsin. I've been in that state. It's crazy in the Midwest how state-oriented they are and how, they're all for one and one for all. Ohio is unbelievable as far as the sports uh, state is concerned. Ohio is unbelievable. They they live and die it. They talk about it in the shops. They talk about it everywhere. It's unbelievable. So there, there are a lot, but uh, St. Louis came to mind right away. That's interesting. So a lot of central, a lot of Central America. That's that's good. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you know, college. You said you love college basketball. Oh yeah. I mean, the college. James, if you're out, if you grew up in the New York area as I did, and had not been exposed to it, you've been a Northeast person your whole life. You have no no idea. Go, I mean, take a weekend, go on a Thursday, go down to Auburn, go to Oklahoma State, go to Madison, go to Columbus, go on a Thursday with somebody, stay till Sunday. You'll experience something you've never experienced before. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't. I think if I didn't grow up in Connecticut and didn't experience University of Connecticut basketball, I would have next to no interest in college sports. So that has definitely peaked it. Um, best musical album of all time. Man, man, <laughs> come on now. Okay, well, uh, I'm a big Springsteen guy. Okay, so so it's hard for me. Like, I mean, I'm an older guy, so you're now you're talking about. Born to Run, 1975. Okay. I'm I'm 17. You know, I mean, can you get any better than that? <laughs> I mean, come on. You're 17, and Springsteen is 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 coming out basically coming out of nowhere. Right. At 17, and and you know, and that time, I mean, from my you know senior year of high school, 76, through you know through 80. Now you're talking about Eagles, Chicago. Doobie Brothers, Billy Joel, Elton John, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, oh, I mean, the, and they're all being played today. 
to tell you just how how great an era that was. All of that music is on the radio right now, all right. the time, all right. over the place. So, uh, but but Springsteen and um, and Billy Joel for me and the Eagles growing up. I mean, great great memories, great times. Can't go wrong. Okay. And last question here. I know you've been all over the country through your job. And I usually don't like uh, when we put titles on days, national this or whatever. But today it's a special one. It's National Pizza Day. You've been all nice. over this country. Where can you find the best slice of pizza? Joe's. Two blocks from two blocks on Carmine Street. Two blocks from FAN. <laughs> okay, Joe's. I mean, that's the easy one. You don't want to stray too far from Manhattan for your pizza. You can go to Bleecker Street. You can go to Joe's. You won't be disappointed. That's an easy question. I wish they were all that easy. <laughs> he is the sports talk show host for CBS Sports Radio and WFAN. And again, he is on Twitter at More to Say, More with two O's. Chris Moore, thank you for being on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. Hey, Brian, appreciate what you do. I'm glad you asked me to be a guest. I thank you. So that is Chris Moore. That is intelligent, insightful commentary that that back up my original statement that he is one of the most underrated sports talk show hosts that I hear on a consistent basis. So I sincerely appreciate him coming on the Red Ticket Blues podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can always listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Red Ticket Blues and at BrianBuck13. Like the show on Facebook if you use Facebook on Instagram and remember to always leave a review and uh, five star rating if you haven't already I know some of you have and uh, I hope all of you enjoy the rest of your week and with all that being said I'm out of here